not just a change of job in the same field, but completely jumped ship um, into something that I never thought I would do. I am now the boss and I have spent my entire career, thank you, being a nuisance to the boss. So it's a bit of a difference. I, ha I did not have any aspirations in running my own business or in this case having someone just hand it to me and let me run wild with it. It is very humbling to have so many people have faith in me to not stuff it up. But during the time when I was making this decision about moving back into an area of work I felt God calling me into, I was reading Pastor Louis Giglio's book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. This book really helped me to work through all the self-doubt and negative feelings that were becoming increasingly popular in my thoughts. His book is completely focused on Psalm 23. And most of it is spent soaking in Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This whole book, but especially this verse, has stuck with me. It has made its way into my ponderings on more than one occasion. I have even sticky noted this verse on my desk. What strikes me most is that God prepares a table in the midst of what is going on in my life and he has taken time to actually prepare something nourishing for me in the midst of what I have going on but also what he has going on. I am that important to God that he has taken the time to set out coffee and all that nourishes in the middle of the crazy stuff that is going on in my life. He has set time aside to spend time with me. Pastor Louis writes, Day after day I sat with the truth of Psalm 23, letting it burrow its way into my soul. From 1 Peter 5, 8, I knew that a major tactic of the devil was to prowl around my life. So maybe I couldn't stop the devil from prowling around my table. But in Jesus' name, I definitely did have the choice whether I allowed the enemy to sit down. So this started me thinking about communion again. And how do I come to this table? Do I intentionally want to spend time with my God? Do I intentionally thank him for what he did for me, for us all? Do I take time out of my increasingly busy schedule to sit down at the table that God has prepared for me and spend time with my creator? Or do I let what is going on in my life take precedence over my relationship with my God? Do I let the enemy take a seat at my table that my God has prepared for me? And have I let the enemy have his way with my coffee and my nourishment to twist it and make me lose focus of God? Communion can be a time of reflection. And Paul says that one should examine oneself and then eat the bread and drink the cup. It can be a time to complete a quick self-check. Have I let the enemy sit down at my table? Have I let the enemy influence my thinking? And if I have let the enemy pull up a chair and sit down and start enjoying what God has prepared for me, I can, with the power of Jesus Christ, take authority over who sits at my table.
So please take time to ponder who is sitting at your table with you and God while you come and get your communion elements. We've got communion at the four corners of the church. So please come and get it and take it in your own time. Yep. Uh, it's, it's nothing really big time. Well, actually, maybe it is, but um, hi. But um, uh, just in communion, it's just so beautiful. Hey, Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by... <laughs> For it is by grace. It is by grace we are saved. None of us deserve it. It's the Father's heart. His unconditional, perfect love for you, for me. We've done nothing to deserve his grace. But he does it anyway. He loves us anyway. And then that passage says that we, it goes on to say that we are his handiwork. You are his handiwork. You are everything to him. Absolutely everything. He loves you with a love that cannot be expressed here on earth. It is over and above anything you could ever experience here on this earth. He's his unconditional love and his favour upon you. And it just hit me again. Every time I do have the Lord's Supper, it undoes me, hey. I'm just like, <laughs> it's just so beautiful. That's all. That's all. <laughs> okay, the kids are going out. And for the rest of us, we're going to get into the Word. Amen. The last, the last few weeks, well, when I've had a chance... Um, we, the Lord's been highlighting the heart, hasn't he? The Lord is speaking about the heart. And this is not just a thing amongst us because you talk to people from the hope team and you talk to other people. God is saying the same thing. Let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. We don't have a, like a preaching, like we're going hit, to hit these topics over the next you know, six months, it's like, God, what is the topic that you want? And the topic at the moment is the heart. And he's been speaking about clean hands and a pure heart. And then two weeks ago before Rod spoke last week, oh, actually, Rod, you wanted to say something, didn't you? Is that, do you still want to say something? Or? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. I reckon. 
I reckon sometimes when my motor mouth starts going, I say stuff too, I reckon. <laughs> Did someone just say, yep? Oh, wow, that's it. Gee. But we're talking about sonship because the Lord, is, the Lord is working in hearts that we would walk as sons. Is there an amen to that? And remember, sonship, just want to keep reminding you that that includes females as well. We are sons. Because of the inheritance and the, and the authority that we carry as sons, just like men, we're part of the bride of Christ. So God likes to mess with our thinking all the time. So when I talk about sonship today, I'm not excluding anyone here. We are sons. But He's working in hearts, clean hands and a pure heart, because He wants us to walk out what, it, what sonship really is. Because our nation... And indeed, the nations of the world need a demonstration of sons, the sons of God. Is there an amen to that? We need a demonstration of that, but it has to start here. And there are some things that are being uncovered in the church across the world, and I think we're going to see more of them. Because if I could be so bold, the version of Christianity that is in many of our Pentecostal circles particularly, but not not, not just Pentecostal circles, celebrity Christianity has to be pulled down. It has to be pulled down because God gave the fivefold to actually get underneath people and serve as bond slaves in that sense to, make, to, to um, reproduce people who are like Christ. This, this whole celebrity Christianity culture has to, be, has to come down. And I think we're going to see more of that. So do not be surprised if we hear more of stuff happening in the nations about that. Because God is working about hearts. And He's looking for people who are authentic. And that means that if you're struggling, you put your hand up and you say, I'm struggling. You don't hide it. And you try and get through. So He's working on hearts. We need to see in demonstration of sonship. And the reason that that's happening is because where he's taking us, we can't carry the stuff with us anymore. Whether it's unforgiveness, like uh, Lee just said, whatever was in our backpack. Remember, I, I, I had a backpack a few weeks ago, you know, with all these different things. We cannot take that. We cannot take that anymore. It has to go. And in fact, you know what we should really do one day? I think it would be a great idea. We could do an Acts 19 thing where we find stuff that we shouldn't have anymore and we just have a big bonfire. Okay, there's only a couple of people that are interested in that. There might be CDs or DVDs. There might be stuff that's in your home. There might be books. There might be magazines or whatever. You know, there might even be collections. There might be Pokemon collections or whatever the case is. And we just set light to them and they all just go up in smoke. Is there an amen to that? You know, but then maybe, 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 maybe we need to have a big piece of paper and maybe we need to write some stuff down on our paper and maybe that needs to go in the bonfire as well. God, I forgive that person. I let go of that thing that happened five years ago. I let go of that thing that happened 20 years ago. And we actually just have clean hands and a pure heart. So maybe we could do that Easter Thursday as part of the, th oh yeah, I don't know. I'm, now I'm just running off the top of my head. What was that? Bring, bring wood. Yeah. Yeah, we need wood. Anyway, two weeks ago I spoke about sonship and I didn't get to finish that because we were just, you know, things just happen. So I wanted to finish that today. I really felt to finish that today. And I'm really mindful as we gather around the Word of God today 
Because I've been asking the Lord, you know, just, just start with a verse. What is the verse? Where are we starting? And he said to turn to Psalm. And Psalm 139, I'm really mindful of this verse as we gather in this place today. And it says in verse 23 and 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way that is yours. Wow. That's a pretty deep verse right there, isn't it? Search me, O God, and know my heart. You can only do that if you know that you are loved and accepted. You, you, if there's anything in you that's struggling with an orphan spirit or an orphan heart or feeling, you know, you don't do that because you go, like, I don't know what's going to happen. But when you know that God loves you, when you know that He is good, when, he, when you know that He is kind and that's His kindness and goodness that leads us to repentance, we can come before Him and we say, Lord, search my heart. Because, because the heart of the Son is not, I must be holy, it's I desire to be holy. It's not I must be better, it's I desire to be all that God has called me to be. And so you come before Him and you say, Lord, search me. Because I don't want to carry anything that is offensive to you. Search me. You know, test me. Know my heart in that. Is there an amen? See if there is any offensive way in me. That is, that is anything that is in the way of you and God. And it can be unforgiveness. And it can be bitterness. And it can be a habitual sin. It can be something that you're addicted to. You know, all that stuff. See if there's any offensive way. Is there anything in the way between you and God? Jesus paid the price for it. And we actually diminish what he, does, what he did by holding on to stuff. Do we realize that? Because we take the place of God because we're going, well, I'm not going to let go of that. We have to say, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way that is yours. Isn't that beautiful? Picture that. Lead me in the everlasting way that is yours. Amen? It, it's good to start with Jesus, isn't it? So in Luke 2, verse 52, we read that Jesus grew in favor with man and God. Just go and ponder that for a little bit in your thinking. Jesus, the Son of God, the Word who became flesh and dwelt amongst us, grew in favor with man and with God. The way that he carried himself, the way that he conducted himself in all matters was a catalyst for him to grow in favor, with not just with man, but with God, with his Father by the way that he carried himself. And this is where the Lord is wanting to bring His people in to a place that we carry ourselves in such a way that we grow in favor. Because we are the ones that have the answers. It, when, at, at times when our nation is struggling to know what is left and what is right and what is up and what is down, do we desperately need a true prophetic voice that is speaking into this nation. But to get to that place, we have to carry ourselves well. Is that okay? We don't have to bang down doors. 
We have to carry ourselves and the grace and the favor of God will be evident. Just as we saw in Scripture, time and time again, the kings and, and, and priests and these people would seek, or not priests, but kings and rulers and those in authority would seek out the word of the Lord. Jesus grew in favor with man and with God. It's about our heart, isn't it? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And as you've heard me say before, we can always know what's in our heart. Because when we get squeezed a little bit, it'll just come. When an event happens or when life happens or when a circumstance happens, when we get squeezed, whatever's on the inside comes out just like orange juice comes out of an orange. It will just come. Yep. It's about the heart. And this is why God is saying, I want to heal that. I want to set you free of that. I want to just remove that so that we could be living the freedom that was purchased for us at Calvary. Is there an amen? You see, a slave is in bondage to things. And I think in our mindset, sometimes we can be in that place, that we're in bondage to things. We react. Something happens. And then we carry a sense of guilt or we carry a sense of shame. And it's all about the, the mindset of a slave. Because I'm trying my best. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be harder. But you're under the yoke of slavery because you're trying to do it. It is when I lock eyes at you. It is. It is when I lock eyes with you, I see. That is the principle of 2 Corinthians 3. As we behold the Lord, we are changed from one degree of glory to another. You know, the movements out here in our nation, you know, New Age movements and self-help movements and stuff, it's all about trying to make yourself better. But Jesus is the one who did it for you. And we just have to lock eyes with him because we are changed. You see, a son doesn't react, a son responds because a son is moved by the impulses of the Spirit not reacted to in the flesh, but is moved by the impulses of the Spirit. So something happens in your day, and you're really, you're really like, you just want to, you know, someone sends you a text message, or something happens, and you just want to, and you take a step back. The boss is cranky with you at work, I, but I don't think it gets cranky. The boss gets, well, oh, okay, we've got some issues here. Do you want some ministry? or? <laughs> You know, something happens at work, the boss is crabby at you, or something happens in the sports field. Wherever it is in society, something happens, and you just want to, and you just want to deal with that. Bang. But a son takes a step back and just goes, hmm. And you begin to be moved by the impulses of the spirit rather than react in the flesh. A slave is about duty. A slave is about performance. A slave is about try, trying harder. A slave is about keeping up appearances. But a son has a desire to be real and raw. A son has a desire, as I've said before, when it's not we, we must be holy, it is I desire 
to be holy as he is holy. That's the essence of the new covenant, isn't it? It's about relationship. The God, the Father so loved the world, he so loved the people of the world that he gave his son. He didn't send a slave, he didn't send a servant, although Jesus became a servant, he sent his son. And his son demonstrated what true sonship is by becoming a servant of mankind. Is there an amen to that? And he could only do that because he was totally secure in the Father's love. So he could humble himself and become obedient, to, even obedient to death on a cross. But it's, a, but it's always been about relationship because the Father sent a son. Not a hireling. And this is, you know, this is the thing that always strikes me about leadership because there's plenty of times in leadership that you just want to run. You just want to give up. But you know you can't. It says in Jesus, when Jesus is talking about the false shepherds, he says they're like hired hands. And when the going gets tough, they just run away and they just leave the sheep. But he said, I am the good shepherd. And I believe he's raising shepherds across this nation who have a heart after him, who won't run but will stand. Not because of a title or not because of a pay packet, but because they are called to stand. It's about relationship. And as I've used the reference to my beautiful wife before, the desire is to be the husband that I can be, that she would flourish in every aspect of her life. Oh, there she is over there. I was, I thought you'd gone out with the kids. She is the best wife that anyone could ask for. Yeah, I know, there's lots of husbands that would probably say that too, yeah. That's good. For me, God, God knew, God knew. But you know what I mean? You desire. There's a difference between want and, and desire. Want has a sense of striving, a sense of duty, a sense of I, I have to. But a desire is, is motivated by love. And that's where Christianity needs to be, that our desires are motivated by love. Is there an amen? I want to help that person because I love them, not because I have to. As I've said before, you can notice when people are on the door sometimes that really don't have a heart for it because they're like, got these sour faces when you walk through the door and good, good, like, good morning, you know? I'm not saying we've got any, any here. Praise God. That's good. But you know what I mean? Like they have the badges on. And they walk through the door, and, and like, and it's their duty to be on the door, and you're like, oh, no. you know. But when you have a desire, you want to help that person because you love them. You want to share your faith with that person because you because you love them. When I was looking after um, Malachi um, yesterday, we went to the park first before we went and had coffee, and <laughs> but Malachi ate most of my cake. Like, what was that? We went to this park, and I heard in the distance his dad call out his, uh, his uh, boy's names, uh, Matthew and Josh. And I went, ooh. And so um, we ended up having a really good conversation. And I felt the love of God for this man and his family. 
See, you do something because, you, because, you, because love is the impulse. Not because you can get a notch on your belt or because you, you just want to be somebody, but because you love. The essence of the new covenant, this is the essence of the new covenant. You know, like, I just keep referring to it because it just keeps speaking to me. But in Ezekiel 36, this is what he says. God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. Isn't that awesome? Ripping out the old, put it in the new. I'm giving you a new heart. I'm giving you a new spirit. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. This is not flesh is in, flesh and spirit now. This is a flesh that, that feels, that is tender, rather than stone that is hard and resists. It is a heart of flesh that is, that is tender to be moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And this is why he says, I will place my spirit within you and I will move you to follow my statutes and my ordinances. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Oh, I love it. Oh. You know, I want to just make sure of something today as we're hitting some of these things, that we all fall down at times. Is there anyone here that doesn't? Just checking? No, see? I'm not talking about these times because God is transforming us from one degree of glory to another. This is our walk with Him. But I'm talking about, and God's talking about patterns and cycles. God wants to come into those patterns. He wants to come into those cycles where you're almost like a slave to a pattern or you're a slave to a cycle in your thinking or in your circumstances or in the way that you react, where you become a slave to patterns and, you know, cycles. He wants to break into those, to actually break that pattern and break that cycle. Is, that, is there an amen to that? That's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about, you know, just you had a bad morning and you shouted at someone. We're talking about, is that a pattern that always happens? Is that a cycle that always happens? Something happens in life and all of a sudden you think like God doesn't love me because something is or is not happening. That's a pattern. That's a cycle. God wants to break into those areas and set you free. Is there an amen? He wants you to walk in the freedom that was purchased for you at Calvary. The freedom. Freedom. We, like we hear the word freedom, freedom a lot. And Christ has set us free. What has he set us free from? He set us free from the law of sin and death. That's what he set us free from. The other part of the freedom is he set us free to live for him, to live by the Spirit and not be under bondage of the flesh anymore, but to live by the Spirit and to be moved by the impulses of the Spirit. He set us free. Freedom is not so that I can have my own way all the time. No, no, no. Freedom is to live in the fullness of the grace that was poured out in Christ. And God is speaking to his church because we've lived under the yoke of slavery. We've lived under the spirit of religion. We've lived under the spirit of try-harder Christianity. We've lived under the orphan spirit. And he's, and he's pulling us out of that place. He's pulling us out of the miry clay. And he wants to set our feet upon a rock that we would live for him. And we would represent him well in every way. And we would grow in favor with men and, yes, with God's. 
His desire, if he's given you five talents or two talents or one talent, that is not the issue. His desire is that you would be faithful with what he's given you. And as you're faithful with that, you grow in favor with God. And he said, here's two more. I believe we can make a case from Scripture, but we're not going to go there today, that someone just is not like an apostle bang, but someone is a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, or a prophet, and they are faithful in their ministry, and then God gives them the office of a prophet, of an apostle, because they have been faithful in some other fivefold area of ministry. Because you grow in favor with men and with God. So let's just look at some attributes of... Oh, we're, going, we're going pretty well. I thought we were like really late because we like used three songs this morning. It was good. It was like 45 minutes later. It's like, whoa. That's... So let's look at some attributes of sons. So a son walks in the raw and the real. So Katie used that phrase like three years ago, maybe. The raw and the real. Authentic, in, integrous. Son moves in that with a desire, with clean hands and a pure heart. It's that search me, O God. We go back to Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Search my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. Let's deal with those things. Because the son wants to please the father. A son wants to please the Father. A son delights to serve because they're building an inheritance. They're storing up treasures in heaven. Nothing, and nothing is beneath them because their identity is wrapped up in Christ, not in what they do. I've met people along the journey that want the platform and they want to speak, but they're not willing to pick up a chair. Or they're not willing to wipe a mess on the floor. I've met people like that. Even over the last five years, we've had some in here that wanted to prophesy, wanted to do all kinds of stuff, but they were not willing to. Well, I am not interested. I'm not interested in playing games. And if I offend people, I'm sorry, but I'm not really. No, but... Martin's clapping. Wow. He's excited. But what I mean by that is, because you know what? If someone needs a hand over there, you need to be someone who, who will go and give them a hand. Is that not true? If you're only interested in the microphone, then what is the use of that? God is after people's hearts. And so you, you will serve one another in all kinds of ways. That's what I'm getting at. You know, but we are all graced differently. And one of the things that God is doing is He's wanting to mobilize His church, but you don't have to be like the person sitting next to you. You don't have to be like the person sitting behind you. The key is that the body of Christ is mobilized in this nation. That we move from 10% of Christians doing the ministry and, we f and 90% but you're just spectating to flip it that there's 90% that are participating. He wants the body of Christ to be mobilized. We've all been given a portion of grace. We've all been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are supposed to come through us. But God has given you a portion of grace and God is encouraging you to put that to use. You know, at all times we pick up a chair, we clean up the floor, we do what we need to do. But what happens is 
year after year after year. So if, if I get caught doing too much pastoral work, I actually start to shut down because it's not my main gift. In the context of Scripture, a pastor... Oh, we, we haven't got time for this today, have we? But because we, we put the word pastor on anyone who's a leader in church. And so there's connotations and there's thinking that, well, this pastor must do this and this pastor must do this and this pastor must do that. And everyone says, like, and people think that everyone must do the same thing. No, 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 that's not true. And in fact, we should probably just get rid of the word pastor and just use it for someone who is a pastor. So, but when I'm prophesying or whether I'm doing apostolic stuff or when I'm, like, if I go into a church, like, like another church, like we went to Tamworth last year, and I'm in the midst of that and I'm helping sort some stuff out, I get energised. You know, if people come to me and go, you know, I need prayer and I'm prophesying over people and I'm praying for people, I get energised. Does that make sense? But if I, year after year, do stuff that I'm not meant to do, I just go like this. You've all been given a portion of grace. And you're all called to put it to use. And the body is meant to work together. Each part is meant to do something. Is there an amen to that? And each one of us should pack up chairs. (laughs) 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 And not too high. Just like... (laughs) But you think about Jesus... Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came to to go to the cross, he washed the feet of the one who would betray him. Now, if that is not a secure mindset of a son who is just submitting to the will of the Father, then I don't know what is. And in the garden, when the enormity of taking the sin of all the world through all the ages on him, when the enormity of that came and the separation was there, when he started to drip blood, he was like, he's like, God, Father, is there any other way? Yet not my will but yours be done. That's why I joke about chairs. <laughs> If the Son of Man, the Son of God, who considered equality with God something, you know, to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, it says in Philippians 2. He made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant, and he came to earth, and he became obedient even to death and a cross. Then nothing is beneath us. Nothing is beneath us. I always think that the... The greater you, the leadership capacity that God gives you, the more you need to die. Because you become a bond slave. And that's why when you want to run away, you go, I just go, I can't run away. Because you're tied to Jesus. So a son delights to serve. And I want to encourage you to find an area where you delight to serve and just start serving. And pack a chair away. A son. This is an important one. I'm not saying the others are not important, but this is an important one. A son trusts. A son trusts his father. So when my boys 
my daughter's not here, but when my boys were growing up, there would be a trust. And particularly when they were young, it would probably be unspoken, but there was a trust. I trust you that if I fall, you're going to catch me. I remember we were in a pool in Albury, Wodonga, and he was coming down the slide. Which one was coming down the slide? Josh, was it? Down the, down the slippery dip slide into the pool. And, I'll just, and at that moment we went, he doesn't know how to swim yet. <laughs> so I was in the pool, and as he came down, I grabbed him. But he was actually coming at such a rate. And, and I had this spot in my back that is a reminder that I caught him. But praise God, it's actually, most of the time, it doesn't even affect me. So that's, that's, that's really good. But, you know, but, but a son trusts. Amen? And a spiritually, a son trusts his father. As a child of God, we trust our daddy. And you think, well, why is this one so important, Tim? Because you know what? You can learn to live in the moment and you don't have to worry about tomorrow. You can learn to live in the moment and you don't have to try and manipulate people to get to where you need to be in ministry or in life. Because it says the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. It is so important that we trust our Papa God. Because you know what? That takes away all sense of competition, jealousy, striving. takes it away because you just trust. If God has given you a word over your life that you're going to go to the nations, you just got to trust. That's why I said what's happening with the mandates, they'll drop. Because God said to me, I'm going to the nations. If the Lord has had a word over your life that you're going to be a great prophet or a great preacher or a great whatever, kids ministry leader, youth leader, we could just keep going. You don't have to try and force your way in there. God will do it. God will make it happen. As you trust, you learn to live in the moment. And that's really important because that's where the joy is. Because according to the Word of God, if you start worrying about tomorrow, you lose your joy. Live today. Live in this moment. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength and let Him take care of tomorrow. Is there an amen with that? And this is the last, or second last point. A son, this is a good one, embraces submission. I had to learn that one. Anyone else ever had to learn that one? I remember when I used to first start hanging out with Mark Crawford because he was my prophetic mentor. So I've known him for 25 years. And the first time he met me, he went, what have I got myself in for now? Because I was gung-ho and I was like, come on, you know. And then he was like, oh, my goodness. Like, 
That's a true story. But you know what? I needed to learn that there was something that he had that I needed. So we can talk about submitting to God, and we probably go, oh, yeah, I can probably do that, but what about to one another? You know, the surest way to promotion is through submission. That's what happened with Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God the Father exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name. Peter says it this way. He says, young men, humble yourselves before the Lord, and in due time, he will lift you up. If we go back to Jesus, isn't it interesting? Hang on. Hebrews is just coming to me, so let's just go there for one tick. In Hebrews 5... It says this about Jesus. During, during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Do not ever think that Jesus didn't cry. I mean, we know there's that verse, Jesus wept. But think about this. He offered prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him, and he was heard because of his submission. Different translations say reverence. Like, wow. Although he was the son with a capital S, he learned obedience from what he suffered. This brings me back to our other verse for today. Luke 2. 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and grew in favour with with man and with God. But what about the verse before it? He came down with them, that's his parents, and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. So that's on the back end of when he was in, in the temple. And he was listening to everything that was being spoken. And Joseph and Mary were like, where's he gone? Where's he gone? Where's, where's Jesus gone? And they found him in the temple and they were like, what are you doing here, Jesus? And he went with them down to Nazareth and was obedient to them or submitted to them. That is where the place Jesus grew in favour with man and with God in submission to his earthly parents. That's one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Honour your father and your mother. Honour your father and mother, for it will go well with you. You will live a long life if you honour your father and your mother. And lastly, a son increasingly displays the nature of the father. A son increasingly displays the nature of the father. So we're talking about two, two different areas here. We're talking about the heart. A son will display the character of God. But then we're also talking about authority. A son will, will, will display the nature of God. That is, whatever is, is, is allowed in heaven is allowed on earth, and what is not allowed in heaven is not allowed on earth. That is the binding and loosing principle, remember? A son knows that they carry out the father's business. And they have the authority to deal with things that need to be dealt with in Jesus' name. 
So a son increasingly displays the nature of the father, the heart and the authority, the character and the power. We have to have the balance. Is there an amen to that? And the last thing is that if the music team want to start coming up, a son builds family because it was always about family, wasn't it? All the way back to the garden before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, children of God, walking in the presence of God, nothing separating them. This relationship between a father and his children until sin stepped in. And God sent his son to make many sons. So as a son builds family, part of that is that we are interdependent. Not independent. We're in interdependent. Because we are family. And there are times, I had one last night when someone called up and said, I just need a hand in this moment. We need each other. We need to stand together. We need other people at times to lift up our hands. We need other people to point us to Jesus. We need other people to encourage us. Everyone has a part to play in that. Is there an amen? I just felt to declare this morning that there is a crossing over happening. And my mind initially went back to Joshua when they were on this side of the Jordan and, you, you know, the Lord said to go through and start to take the promised land. That was where my thinking was. And I was pondering that with God and saying, God, what are you saying to us in that? And he said, you know, I am, he said, I am working in my people's hearts because I am preparing them to cross over into the greater things that are coming. Jesus is our promised land. Make no doubt about that. Jesus is our promised land. And, but, you know, we live in the fullness and the freedom and everything that he has for us. And he's, and he's wanting to, for us to let go of anything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles so that we can run the race with freedom. The best way to run is with your arms moving, not holding on to stuff. If you put two people in a running race and one people's free and can use their arms and the other one is carrying stuff, you know who's going to win, don't you? It's his heart for his people. And we're in this Ananias and Sapphira time where he's dealing with matters of the heart right across, right across our nation, right across the nations. And as I started with this about six or seven weeks ago, you know, do not resist the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be a people who resist the Holy Spirit. But we want to be a people that says, Lord, search me, know me. Test me. See if there's any offensive way in me. That we would represent him well. Is there an amen? This morning as we worship, if you feel like you've been struggling in that area of knowing that you are fully loved and fully accepted and fully secure, then I'm going to be up here grab some of the others. Jen, you can come up here too. Liz. That today would be a heavenly exchange. That you don't live under it anymore. But you rise above it as sons and daughters of the King. Amen.
If you're struggling with addiction in any way, you're struggling with patterns and cycles in any way, I'm, I'm believing that today is a day of breakthrough in those areas. If anyone has an ear problem or a, a sore, inflamed heel, if there's anyone that's battling with addiction, particularly smoking, anyone who's got neck pain, headache pain, I'll ask you to come and we'll pray for you as well. Those four things. In the crushing, yeah. in the pressure.